Thank you, Lord. Worthy is the Lamb. Thank God he is so worthy. Well, it's good to be back with you in church. Seemed like I'd been out for two years, but I only missed two services, I think, or three. I don't know, but it was... You miss the house of God and all the things that come with it. And I want to thank you for all your prayers that you prayed for my wife. Before she got out of the hospital, uh, her therapist, in the last session, said, I tell you, you are doing so well. It is miraculous how well she, you are doing. And I reminded her that we had a whole church praying. How else could it not be? Amen. There's many things that uh, Jesus tells and teaches us about what to do and what not to do to make it to heaven. A lot of times I've heard people say, this Bible is not a bunch of do's and don'ts. But I believe if you study, it's got more do's and don'ts than you really want to admit and uh, Jesus was usually continually telling us, do this, and not to do that. In fact, I believe there are more don'ts than there are do's. At least that's the way I preach it. I want you to go to heaven. I don't say that as words coming from behind a pulpit. I say that from time of prayer and weeping before God. I don't want one soul in this church to miss the rapture. I don't want one person to go to hell. And not only do I pray for this church, but I pray for all churches and I pray for all people. I guess the older you get, the more reality sets in your life that life is not forever. There's coming a time when you're going to meet God and you're going to be judged on your works how you served him, how you loved him. A lot of that will mean that you might not get as many rewards if you had done a better job. But for many, it's going to be a heaven or hell situation. Because I don't believe that you can say that Jesus Christ lives in your life and you live in sin. I believe he changed you. That. At least he did in my life because I was a terrible sinner. And I'm not here to tell you that I hadn't sinned, sinned since I've been saved for I have. But I am here to tell you that he's a loving God that will restore you and bring you back and put you not where you were, but further than where you were. He's that kind of God. He is love. He is the God of love. To me, the whole concept of Christianity is gain through loss. You lose this world, you'll gain God. You lose yourself, you'll gain the things of God. Denying ourselves is one of the things Jesus teaches us about denying ourselves that we may gain him, denying ourselves of the world that we might make it to heaven. My friend, this is why the greater majority of the world is going to hell is because they do not want to deny themselves of this world. And sad to say, sometimes you see it in the church. And if you had a good look of the church as a whole, you'd probably find out that we're getting very close to 50% of the church world is more after the world than they are after Jesus. One stats on that, do you know that 50% of Christians gets divorces today? There's reason for people to get divorced. And when people get divorced when they're sinners, that's one thing. 
But it's another thing when you say you know Jesus Christ unless your companion has done some things that God allows you to do to divorce. Matthew 16, 24 through 27. These are the words of Jesus. These are not the words of Jerry Langford, not the words of any official of any church. These are the words of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he is the word. Jesus, then said Jesus unto his disciples, if any man or woman will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. And whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. Sounds like a complete contradiction is what this world is saying today, isn't it? We play, the world says get all you can and can all you get. But I'm here to tell you today that's not what Jesus teaches us. For what is a man profited if he gained the whole world and lose his own soul? And what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man will come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then he shall reward every man according to his works. I'm going to pray in just a second, but I want to ask you one thing. What is it in this world that's worth your soul? What in this world is worth your soul? And what Jesus meant is if you gain the world, you're going to lose your soul in hell. That's his whole telling us right here. Let us pray. Father, we thank you today for Jesus Christ and his words. And above all, we thank you, God, for the privilege and the opportunity, God, to know you in the free pardon of sin. And that God, we thank you that we do have the word and we have the Holy Spirit with us. We have ministers. You've given us all, God, that we may be winners. God, we thank you for it. Today we ask for your anointing. We can do nothing without your anointing. Your anointing will destroy the yoke today. And God, we give you praise and we give you glory for all that you do. For it's in the name of Jesus Christ. Let everyone say amen. amen. Simply what Jesus taught was gain through loss. Lose it and you gain it. He talks about it in money. Give and you shall receive. If you give like God wants you to give, he said it'd be given back to you, shaken down, pressed together, and running an old man, give to your bosom. That don't mean you need to try to be a rich man. I don't think Jesus had any worry about all of that anyway when he said it. But I want to tell you, it is gain through loss. As much as you can lose of yourself and lose of this world, the more God you will have in your life more power of God you'll have in your life. Can you say amen? Now there's religious institutions that's bypassed the word of Jesus in, in many, many ways, and especially when it comes to this. They just ignore the scripture. Some teach right opposite, that you're supposed to gain everything you can get your hands on. There's others that says these words are too hard. But the truth of it is people who refuse to come to the terms of the word of God, they are self-centered and they're selfish human beings. I 
I'm going to try to preach to you what God's laid on my heart. See, this whole thing's not about you and the devil and you and God. It's about you. The devil has no power in my life. Zero. No power. And the only way he can have power is for me to surrender some God in my life. And the way we surrender God in our life is doing things that God tells us not to do or failing to do things God tells us to do. So don't worry about the devil. I know he'll come to tempt. I know he does a lot of things. But I know that he don't have power over God's people. We're not going to be sons of God. We're already sons of God. And that tells me that I have power over him. I don't have to say yes to his temptation. And I really don't have to say yes to my desires. I've got power. And it's through the blood of Jesus Christ. And the power of his Holy Spirit. Of course you have the real fanatical says there's no such thing as heaven and hell. If that's true, you don't have to worry about anything. They say that because they say there's no God. David said a fool has said in his heart there's no God. I'm going to tell you, when you just look around at everything, just don't go no further than your own body and tell me how that evolved. When one part's missing, of certain parts of your body is missing, you will die. How did it ever come alive? Did it lay there flesh until that part kind of, well, I, I don't understand it. Yes, I do. God created the heavens and the earth and he made man and he breathed into him. He became a living soul. And we're not like the dogs and we're not like the donkeys and we're not like a lot of things today. We are different. Oh, I want just for a few moments, which might turn into 30 or 40, to talk to you about this scripture and some biblical situations. I, I know there's temptations, I, but I know we don't have to yield to it. But what I'm talking about is times in our life as real people, we make it more about us than we do about God. These scriptures that I've read to you as I said, they're not my words, they're the words of Jesus Christ who is not only our Savior, but he is the word of God. First, how do I know personally that there's a God? i tell you how I know because I've been born again. I've been born again. A radical change came in my life when I knelt down on my mother-in-law's front porch while talking to a free will Baptist preacher who had enough God in his heart. We were discussing churches and I was talking about the assemblies and he was talking about the free will and I didn't know anything about either one of them even though I was raised in the assemblies and he, he soon realized that I didn't know anything. That, and then he asked me that most important question, Jerry, are you a Christian? Have you asked anybody this week, are they a Christian? What if he just kept on talking and said, well, he don't know anything about church. Let's talk about Alabama football. Of course, he was from North Carolina, so I don't guess that would work. Sometimes that's what we do. When the moment comes, but he asked, are you a Christian? I said, no. He said, do you want to be? I said, yes. 
and I could feel the changing power of God in my life when I said yes. And then I prayed and asked God to forgive me. And I want you to know there become a radical change in my life. I was a foul-mouthed person. I want to tell you, it wasn't evolution that took that out of my mouth. It was God Almighty himself. Hallelujah. Because that was part of my mental makeup. But he took it like that. I know there's a God because second I've been filled with the Holy Spirit as they were on the day of Pentecost. Well, you just following a doctor. No, I wasn't because I'd given up on the doctrine. I told God I never would ask for it again. Seemed like 10 years I'd tried. Only been two months. But I fasted and I prayed. And finally I said, God, I'll never ask you for the Holy Ghost again. I'm through. And I went down to pray for another young girl to receive it. Didn't that I didn't believe in it. I just... Didn't feel like I'd ever receive it. An old gray-haired lady that couldn't sing. Come on. Tried to play the guitar and sing. I used to pick a guitar a little bit, and I said, while she was playing and singing with another one, I, I said, I wish she'd just let me tune her guitar after the service. She'd be a whole lot better. But you know, I, I, I forgot about everybody else and started praising God. And that same woman who couldn't play the guitar, brother, she knew how to get a hold of God. And she said, son, yes, I used to be young. Son, let the Holy Ghost praise God for you. And when she said that, I began to speak in a heavenly language. Don't tell me there's no God. Don't tell me there's no Jesus. Don't tell me there's no baptism of the Holy Spirit. You've come to the wrong person. And thirdly, he lives with me every day in my life. As the song says, he walks with me and he talks with me. But what I'm telling you, if a man gained the whole world and lose his own soul, what does it profit him? No, most people don't want the whole world. They just want that part that satisfies their fleshly desire. But whether it's a part or the whole, it's a refusal to, it's a refusal to put God first. I mean, nothing, nothing is supposed to come between us and God. Not family? Hello? Nothing. Not church? Nothing. This is a relationship with me and my heavenly Father through Jesus Christ. Sometimes I see people let such petty things come in their lives. First John 2, 14 and 17 said, I have written unto you, fathers, because you have known him that is from the beginning. I've written unto you, young men, because you are strong and the word of God abideth in you and you, and you have overcome the wicked one. Then he gives us the recipe. Love not the world. There's a don't. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Well, what is the world? For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of eyes, of the eyes, and the pride of life. It's not of the Father, but it is of the world. And the world passes away, and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God shall abide forever. See, the answer is love not the world. 
It's hard to separate these three things. But all of them boil down to one thing and that's satisfying our flesh. We either please God or either we please ourselves. Well, I want to stop right here and tell you something. Pleasing God brings more blessings in your life than pleasing yourself. You are a much happier person when you're pleasing God than when you're pleasing yourself. Our first example in the New Testament are men who please God. His disciples, men and women just like you and I. Don't ever get in your mind that only 12 followed Jesus around. Because there was many that followed him. When, when Peter got ready to choose the man, they were going to vote on the man who should take Judas's place. He named two men. He said, who hath been with us all the time? You hadn't got to have a position to be with Jesus. Isn't that wonderful? Matthew 4, 18 and 22, listen. And Jesus walking by the sea of Galilee saw two brethren, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother. Both were perfect. No, that was not in there, is it? Casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And he said unto them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And they straightway left their nets and followed him. And going on from thence, he saw other two brethren, James, the son of Zebedee, and, the son, and John, his brother, in a ship with Zebedee, his, their father, mending their nets. And he called to them. And immediately they left the ship and their father and followed him. And there's Matthew 9 and 9. And as Jesus passed forth from thence, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the receipt of custom, and he said unto him, Follow me. And he arose and followed him. Who was Matthew? A tax collector. A cheat. They've always been cheats and they're cheats today. <laughs> Hello? And they all need to get saved. But Matthew got up and left it all, walked away from it. Of course, there was one whose name was Judas. I guess it might be safe to say there's kind of always a Judas around. I don't know. I hope not. We know that he portrayed Jesus. But up until then, he was one of the disciples. Judas healed the sick. He was sent out with the twelve. What'd they do? Preach the gospel, heal the sick, cast out devils? He sent out 70. Maybe Judas was one of the 70. No doubt they were. The 12 was part of the 70. I don't know. But Judas was part of the 12. But Judas had a problem. I don't know whether he always had it with him, or I don't know where it came upon him, but he loved money. And for the love of money is the root of all evil. And what he thought it would buy when he betrayed Jesus, I don't know. But I know after the deal was done, he realized it wasn't worth it. And he came back and he cast the money into the temple at their feet. He said, I betrayed innocent blood. 
He went out, he repented. I don't know what happened. Maybe he just couldn't forgive himself. I don't know. But the Bible said he hung himself. His blood and his guts gushed out into a field where he was standing. We think of hanging, we think of putting a rope around you, but that wasn't where they hung. They took a a sharp stick pointed thing and they just fell over on it. Could have just hung him up there. His guts and his blood went everywhere. That's an ugly picture, isn't it? But it's an ugly thing he did too. That wasn't the first time he was interested in money. The Bible tells us he was the bag keeper. And when the woman poured the ointment on Jesus, he said, why wasn't this sold for 300 whatever pence? He said, he didn't say that and give to the poor. He said, he didn't say that because he wanted to give to the poor because he carried the bag. So he'd had that problem a long time. Jesus was very tolerant of him, wasn't he? But I'm going to tell you, because you're getting away with sin now don't mean you'll always get away with it. His end should be our example. Today, he's in hell. Have you ever sat around and thought about going to hell? If you hadn't, you need to. You need to think about you in a place that burns forever and forever and ever. Now, a lot of people say you won't never come out of hell. You will. You'll come out of hell for the great white throne judgment. But that's going to make hell worse because you know where you're headed to. Just study the scriptures, okay? You're headed for the lake of fire. Hell on in the earth and the lake of fire is going to be two different places. But I tell you, from then on, it's going to be for eternity. Not for a day, not for a month, not for a year, not for two years, not for 74 years, not for 100 years, not for a thousand years, not for a million years, but forever and ever and ever. You will be crying for a relief, crying for a drop of water. We're going to read about that in just a minute. I'm telling you, whatever you're doing or wanting or trying to get to keep you out of heaven, it's not worth it. It don't even come close. Luke 16, 19 through 31. There was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day, had everything he wanted. Let me tell you something, America, you're blessed. Sometimes when we don't eat our, all the food that we have and you know you just get full, your eyes is bigger in your head than your stomach, what my daddy used to tell me. And you'll fill up the plate, and then you don't eat it all. And we, we here in America, we, we throw it away. Millions, millions would love to have it. We're blessed. We're blessed. Why we would want more? Why we would want the things of this world? I don't understand it because we're so blessed in America. That kills, the, that kills the argument. If God would only do good things for everybody, everybody would do right. It's a lie. In fact, sometimes the better you have, the worse you are. You just have to forgive me. I hadn't preached in two weeks, and it's in me today, I'm telling you. He fared sumptuously every day, and there was a certain beggar named Lazarus which was laid at his gate full of sores. 
and desireth to be fed from the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. I, I, I don't, I'm not going to bring all this up, but I was in the hospital where a man had an infection one time. And they asked his wife, and she's here, do they have any dogs in the house? They said, no. He said, well, we're trying to find out what the infection was because dogs carry an infection on their tongue. They can give you an infection in your lungs. They used to tell me when I was a kid, you got a sore, let a dog lick it. They got that from that scripture right there. That wasn't bragging. That was saying something else bad could happen, and it did, and Lazarus died. Hello? You say, you just don't like dogs. I love dogs. I just don't like dogs around me much. When I was a kid, I loved them, wallowed over them, carried them, and done everything I could do. And I lived six weeks in the house with a mother-in-law who had two and I learned not to like dogs, okay? If you want to call them dogs, they were chihuahuas. I called them rats. I could tell you some funny things about them dogs. They bounce good going down steps. <laughs> Before I got saved... And desiring to be fed from the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table, moreover the dogs came and licked his sores. Now listen to this. And it came to pass, the beggar died, and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom, and the rich man also died and was buried. Equal ground for all men, death. I don't care who you are, how old you are, how much health you got or whatever, you're going to die. When you get like me, it ain't so bad. Hello, older you get, the better it looks. I'll be honest with you. If it wasn't for my family, I'd say, take me today, Lord. I won't go to heaven. Amen? I'm tired of a lot of the things being old. I don't only groan when I you know, when I get up, now I'm grown when I sit down. <laughs> I don't know what happened to the golden years, and I don't even know what they meant by them. <laughs> but I'm here to tell you, I got my eye on one place, and that place is heaven. But not just for me. I want it for everybody. Listen. The rich man died and was buried, and in hell he lifted up his eyes, being in torment. And he sees Father Abraham afar off, seeth Abraham afar off, and, it, and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. And send that nasty, stinking Lazarus. That's not what he said, was it? That's the way he lived, though, wasn't it? I got news for you. Hell will change your mind. I got some more news for you, but it'd be too late. You won't have nothing to do with it. Lazarus had to beg for the crumbs that fell from his table. For well, he lived so great and so wonderful and so mighty. Don't get me wrong, all rich people don't go to hell and all poor people don't go to heaven. It has very little to do a lot of times with whether you're rich or whether you're poor. What it has to do with is what you're putting your emphasis in life on. Are you putting it on God or are you putting it on things? cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. Send Lathar, let him dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue for I'm tormented in these flames. Begging for a drop of water now. 
And Abraham said, Son, remember that thy in thy lifetime receiveth the good things, and likewise Azrael's evil things, but now he's comforted and thou art tormented. So each one of these men chose a lifestyle. And Jesus is using the extremative here of lifestyles where he can cover it all. There's somewhere the middle, then the extreme. Because we're not doing the extreme doesn't mean we're doing everything we're supposed to be doing for Jesus. And he said, beside this, between us and you is a great gust so that they that would pass hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us which came from thence. So I don't, I don't think all this had to do a lot about money, but it had to do a little bit about it. Because see, money will change our lifestyle. I would that you prosper and be in good health even as your soul prospers. A man could walk through this door and hand out a million dollars to every one of us. And you probably wouldn't have enough to have church next week because you'd be wanting to spend that money. And you'd be wanting to go places. And you'd be wanting to do things and you want to buy things. That's why God don't give you a million dollars. Hello. I'd rather be poor and go to heaven and rich to go to hell. I got so many pages and it's 17 minutes to 12. I know some of you already know that. You're looking at your watch. lot more I could say about it. You said, preach, how come you preach so long sometimes? Because God called me to preach. Sometimes I don't think I preach long enough. Now, there are certain people that help me to quit standing you up while I preach. And they told me it took 10 years <laughs> to get me to quit doing that. So you are blessed right now. You might not know it. Listen to me. God's ministers, whoever they are, he's chosen us to help you to go to heaven. Paul said in Romans 10, 13, and 15, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe on him whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? So it's important that you have a preacher. How shall they preach except they be sent? Is it written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings, good things. I'm not lifting myself up. If I'd read you the script, some scripture before where the five brethren, he, he wanted to send Lazarus to them. And he said they have Moses and the prophets. They won't hear them. They won't need Neither will they really believe on one who was raised from the dead. And you can look at the world. There was a man raised from the dead. His name was Jesus Christ. He lived a perfect life. And the majority of the people still going to hell. Still going to hell. I said all this because I want you to know that God laid this message on my heart. Well, this is the last one or I got a hundred more to preach. I don't know. But I know this. I don't want nobody to go to hell. Like Jesus, I want all to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. But it's the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life are the three main reasons men do not go to heaven. You know, pride of life, he said that last 
And I think it's what causes everybody to do the other two. You ever ask yourself in church among Christian people, why don't people forgive people? You ever wondered that? I've wondered that for years and years. Or why don't people ask people to forgive them? Oh, I'm afraid they'll throw it back in my face. Well, it's all right. But the reason we don't ask and the reason we don't forgive is the pride of life. We're so prideful. People's done this to me and I will never forgive them because it's me. Now, if they've done it to Joe Blow over there, it don't matter. Woo, I feel it up here. If you don't feel it, come on up here. See, I'm still talking about the same thing. The pride of life, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes. Let me tell you, you never can get enough of it to satisfy you. I don't care if it's the lust of the flesh or the lust of the eyes. The lust of eye are those things that are so spiritual, harmful. There's things that we see, but we don't need them. And above that, God's word does not allow it. Exodus 23, 19, I'm reading from NASB 95. You get it? You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make yourself an idol or any likeness of what is in heaven above or on earth beneath or in the water under the earth. You shall not worship them nor serve them for I, the Lord, your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children from the third and fourth generation to those that hate me but showing love and kindness to thousands, those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for your Lord will not leave him unpunished who takes his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Six days you have to labor and do all your works, but the seventh day is a Sabbath day unto, unto your God, Lord your God. In it you shall do not any work, you or your sons or your father, your, your male or your female servants or your cattle or your sojourner who uh, stays with you. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that is in them and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. You better be glad he gave you that day. Because this corporation will be working you seven days a week, 12 hours a day. Honor your father and mother that you, your days may be long in the land which the Lord your God gives you. Let me tell you something about obeying your parents. You don't obey your parents if they're telling you wrong things to do. But you do honor them. And there is a difference. If your parents are telling you to do it's terrible and sinful things against God. God will not hold that against you for not obeying. They may mistreat you. They may be bad to you. They may do a lot of things to you. I had the greatest debt in the world and the SARS, well, I won't go that far, but the worst grandparents because of the way they treated my dad. My dad didn't get saved till late in his life, but I'll tell you what, my dad always honored them. You hear me? He always honored them. You shall not murder, murder you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor, you shall not covet your neighbor's house, you shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his 
male servant or his female servant or his ox or his donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbor. And all these fall between the things of the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. You cannot have what belongs to others. Let me ask you, had you rather me be preaching now or you'd rather God be preaching this? Be careful because when God said that, it said, and all the people received the thunder and the lightning and the flashing and the sound of the thunder and the mountain smoking. And when the people saw it, they trembled and stood at, its, at a distance. And then they said to Moses, speak to us yourself and we will listen, but let not God speak to us or we'll die. Now God don't get on a mountain and he don't make no smoke and fire and lightning and all that today. He got the Holy Spirit. He speaks to us in our heart silently. How many times I've missed it and I said, God, why didn't you speak to me about that? And I would remember that small, still voice that preceded all that. Listen, God's not going to knock you down to talk to you. You should be close enough to him that when he speaks to you, you can hear it. Amen? You say, well, amen, you're talking about the law. Really? I know we're not under the law, per se, as they were, but listen to what Paul said in Romans 7, 7. What shall we say then? Is the law sin? God forbid. Nay, I had not known sin but by the law, for I had not known to known lust except the law said, Thou shalt not covet. And basically, this is what this is all about. Coveting, desire, lust. We put a lot of emphasis on men lusting against women. Hello. A lot of that's done. Well, it worked two ways too, can it not? Really, the way it works with a lot of women sometimes is the pride of life. They're proud that men want them. Oh, yes, you're plain today, ain't you, Brother Langford? Yes, I am. But I can assure you when you get up and leave here, you won't have to ask anybody what I said <laughs> or what I meant. Jesus said, if a man looks on a woman lust after he's committed adultery. You've heard me say this a lot of times. Billy Graham added something to it, which I agree. He said, if a woman dresses in a manner to get a man to lust after him, she's equally guilty. Right. Lord, you can't walk through J.C. Penney's. I go back there and try to find a man's shirt. Can't hardly find it. 25,000 dresses and skirts, and every one of them is split, short, or something. Hello? Thank you, Sister No. You call it ego, lust, earthly desire, but God calls it sin. Sin's what separates us from God. Sin is what sends men and women to hell. Sin is what destroys lives and families. Sin is what we justify or blame on others. There's many examples I could give you, things that Jesus tells us where we can lose our soul. The rich young ruler came to him. What must I do to be saved? Keep the commandments. Keep all the commandments. What are they? And he gave him a list of three or four. I've done this all of my life. Yet thou lackest one thing. You listen to me. If you've never heard me before, you listen to me. One thing can send you to hell if you put it before God. And he did. The Bible says he walked away when Jesus said to him, sell what you got and give to the poor. Now, let me ask you something. Do you think today he wished he had done that? 
How many times in this last 2,000 years do you think he has said, oh, I wished I had done that? A million? Then there's the Pharisees. The pride of life. Don't you ever believe that they didn't know Jesus was the Son of God, okay? They knew he was the Messiah. No man could have done the miracles that he did. Come on. But you know, they had a position. They said, when he, I, I forgot what miracle he did, great miracle, maybe when he rose, raised Lazarus from the dead, I don't know which one it was, don't matter, because they, they knew it even before the last miracle. But they said, if we don't do something with him, Romans going to come and take our nation away and we're going to lose our position. Pride of life. I wonder what they're saying in hell today. They're the ones who's supposed to been teaching about God. And they're in hell. They're in hell. So many others we could talk about. But can I read you our example and I'm closing. Matthew 4, 1 through 11. Then was Jesus led of the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was after it and hungered. And when the tempter came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God, command these stones to be made bread. He could have done it, could he not? He was hungry, was he not? Why didn't he? Because God had already said, in the river of Jordan, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. You don't ever have to prove your experience with God if you got one. When the tempter came to him, he said, if thou be the son of God, command these stones to be made bread. And he answered and said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Some words... Or all of them. Oh, I don't do but one thing wrong. Well, you better quit doing it. So it tells me you don't love him. Worse than that, it tells him. Then the devil take him up to the holy city, sitteth him on a pinnacle of the temple, and said, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge concerning thee in their hand, they shall bear thee up. Listen, any time thou dash thy foot against the stone. Jesus said unto him, and it is written again, it's important we rightly divide the word. We don't take any one scripture and make a doctrine out of it. If you did, you'd be like the Mormons and you believe you could baptize for the dead. And there were some back then that did and Paul used their own wrong teaching to prove something else to them. So men have gathered that you can baptize for the dead. Forget about it. Don't work. It is written again, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. And again the devil take him to an exceeding high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them and said to him, All these things will I give thee if thou wilt fall down and worship me. All these things. Things, things, things. Things where there be cars, houses, come on. Women, men, things. They're all things. How do I know? because they're all going to pass away. They're all going to pass away.
best way. Jesus said unto him, and this is what we should do, get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shall thy serve. And the devil leaveth him, and behold, angels came and ministered unto him. I want to leave this with you. There are many things I could talk about and still leave many things out. Paul said something that covers everything. Six words. Six words. Isn't God good to allow us to take six words and cover it all? Here they are. Abstain from all appearances of evil. You don't understand, I I, I wasn't doing nothing wrong. Does it appear wrong? Does it look wrong to others? Then you need to quit it because you're bringing heartaches and troubles and problems and temptations to other people. Even if it's right, but if it appears wrong, don't do it. Because the very soul you may cost may be yours. Stand with me, if you will. Three minutes after 12. If you go now, it'll be crowded. If you wait just a little bit, a lot of them will be out. Used to be an old song that said, and I can't remember just part of it, is you all on the altar. You know where a, what an altar is? It's a place to die. When you say altar in the Old Testament, that's where the sheep died. We say altar here. There's one right over there. All these steps can be an altar. Right there where you stand can be an altar. But if you use it properly, it's a place for you to die. To die to this world and die to sin. Yet lackest thou one thing, he said. One. That's sad, Dr. K. That we allow one thing keep us from going to heaven. I wish I just had the time, and because I do still have the memory, I could tell you a lot of sad stories. Everybody that misses out on God, that's very sad when salvation is so free and so easy. I told you when he asked me, did I want to be a Christian? I said, yes, and I felt the load of sin leaving my life with the word yes. I went ahead and repented. I went ahead and done what the Bible said, but I'm telling you, he wants to save you so bad. He wants to deliver you today. He wants to set you free. But go on. Go on anyway. Do what you normally do. And one day you'll be laying in a casket and some preacher's going to have to try to figure out what to say over you. Don't want to make the family feel any worse than they already feel. Hello? I preached a lot of funerals that I knew that they were in heaven and with God. There's some I just didn't know about. I want to be a person that whoever has my funeral don't have to sit and wait and decide did I make it. I'm going to make it. I made up my mind. There's nothing in this world, nothing, nothing is worth missing heaven.
And I found out sometimes when you go and get that thing you wanted, you didn't want it quite as bad as you thought you did. I got a nice house. You don't buy it? <laughs> oh, I didn't lust after it. I drive down the road one day and saw a nice house. I said, God, that's a beautiful house. He said, you want one like it? You know what I said? Do you want me to have one like it? Hello? I got to build in a smaller house and before long it's bigger than it needed to be. But I'm going to tell you, it's not between me and God. It's not whole with me. I'd sell it tomorrow. Anything I got, God said, get rid of it. I'd get rid of it. Listen to me, saints. My heart is burning for you today. I don't know what God knows. You might know what some things God. I don't know what God knows. So I'm preaching to all of us. Let's make heaven our home. Let's get rid of this world, the pride of life, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes. Let's do what God wants us to do. Every time we reach for something that we think, I'm making you stand and preach to you, didn't work. But every time we try to get something that God don't want us to have, we saying that that's more important than God. Well, they sing. Maybe you got something you want to put on the altar. Maybe you got something you want to come down and pray for others about. We won't be here but just a few more minutes. When you come to the altar, don't go to sleep on the pew, okay? I mean, on the altar base. Pray, get up. God, you don't have to have, a lot of words don't impress God. Just leave him your, your petition. And believe him. Go ahead and sing.